0: Hello, and welcome to the Trinity Western University Alumni Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Fair, and today's guest is one of my former classmates, John Voth. John graduated in 2010 with a BA in theater and has gone on to work as an actor, director, writer, and producer in film, theater, and TV for many years. Now, with all the challenges facing us in our world today, I thought it might be interesting to chat with John about the power of creativity, comedy, and story as tools to help us understand and hopefully improve our world.
1: Hey, John. Hey, hello. How you doing, buddy? Not too bad, it's good to see you. I know, a long time, huh? Yeah, Yeah, it's been a while. (laughs) How's the writing going?
0: It's been, uh, you know, up and down, of course, like uh, always some good periods and bad periods. I was hoping that I'd be more productive during the uh, the COVID period, but mm-hmm. it's, um, you know, it can be a challenge some days.
1: <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. You know, what, what is it? Um, you know, either you get out of COVID fitter or fatter, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> it's a good quote.
1: Uh, it's not mine. It's somebody else, but <laughs> yeah. How about you? Uh, good. I mean, I've been doing the readings, right? The Harry Potter readings. That's mm-hmm. That's been going well. Um, I've, I think I've been productive. not as uh, Same thing, not as productive as I want to be, right? Yeah. I've wanted to mm. do a lot of different things, but I think it's just like the pressure of having all this free time, mm. right? Everybody says, oh, oh, yeah, free time. Then you must be X numbers better than yourself than you were before. Yeah, You know? yeah so it's it's okay
0: bit of the extra pressure right but not not what we need right now
1: (laughs) yeah exactly yeah
0: (laughs) no that's cool well i'm glad that you're um able to jump on the call with me here and it's um it's always good to hear from you know someone that graduated around the same time as me and to be able to to share kind of where you where you're at now and your journey yeah so um I guess just to jump in, uh, I wanted to ask you about your Facebook page. So you have listed yourself as director, actor, comedian, and for sure human. Have you always considered yourself
1: these things? Um, I've not always considered myself a director. I've just gotten to that recently. Uh Uh, An actor, yeah, for quite a while. Human, I mean, I just want to make sure that people know that I'm human. Just in case, uh, you know, I don't feel human all the time, but just people need to know it. People need to know. Of course. <laughs>
0: How long have you been uh, interested in acting and comedy?
1: I mean, I, I remember watching The Mask so many times as a kid, you know, <laughs> Jim over Carey. and over and over. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's just a genius in that. And then um, a lot of Jackie Chan. I grew up with a lot of Jackie Chan. and You know, his it's action, amazing action, but it's also very funny.
0: Hmm.
1: I guess, you know, watching a lot of that influenced, um, you know, how I would, uh, you know, look at what was funny as a kid. Mm -hmm. And then my friends in high school kept on saying, oh, man, you you," just laughing and always saying, oh, you should become an actor. You should become an actor. And I never took that seriously. Right. And uh, so I, I, you know, would watch a bunch of movies and I watched uh, in particular, I watched Heat. And that's not a funny movie. It's not a it's not a a, a comedy Mm But the ending of that movie and the acting of that movie really made me want to act, and from there I found my way into comedy. By I came over to Vancouver. I grew up in Germany and Australia, right? So right. I came over to Vancouver, and I saw improv and you know real live comedy for the first time—not just improv, but stand-up and so on. And that's what really inspired me. I didn't even know what the improv art form was. Because mm. in Germany, you don't really have it. It's, mm. it's not very well known. They do have very small groups. But, that, but I saw live improv, live stand-up. And I thought, this is, oh, man, I love this. And so I started studying and learning how to do that. It's it's a great journey. I, I love comedy so much.
0: Where was the first time you saw it? At Granville Island?
1: Yes, Granville Island, Vancouver Theatre Sports. Nice. I saw that for the first time there, yeah.
0: That's very cool. Have you performed there before?
1: Yes. I, I was actually part of Vancouver Theatre Sports for um, for about four years in the Rookie League and four years on stage now. That's awesome. Um, yeah, yeah. So you,
0: you got it's, to see them as your introduction. They were like your introduction to improv comedy, and now you get to be a part of it. That's so cool.
1: Yeah, exactly. It was pretty, pretty fun. So what
0: year was that, do you think, when you when you first moved out here and, and start, started getting interested in improv and comedy?
1: I moved out. Well, let me see. What what year? It's been about oh gosh, oh, 13, 40, 15 years now. Fifteen or sixteen years. So I moved out here in two. Oh man, two thousand five, I think. Yeah, two thousand five is when I moved out here, and you know, I just got all. I I just came out here to to act, just hmm. act in movies. You know, as everybody thinks, like I, I want to act the movies. <laughs> yeah, I saw um what was it the first play I saw here was Grace I think it was called it was a Pacific theater Hmm. and yeah so my first improv theater and you know all my first experiences have been here in Vancouver of the art form that I practice Hmm. and it's been 15 years since then so
0: when did you get connected to Trinity then were you uh like did you want to get a degree or was it more just uh, interested in the art and then kind of heard about it through some friends
1: well, I came over here for two weeks. Me and my dad came over here for two weeks to check out different universities. And the thing is, I still had to finish high school as well. Hmm. But uh, we looked at universities, and uh, Trinity was um, a university that my, my parents had friends here in Canada already. And so Trinity was a university that they also mentioned is like, this might be a very good university. So we checked it at a couple of different places UBC, Trinity. And Trinity just seemed the place that Uh, i I wanted to go to and the thing was you know they didn't have a film degree it was a theater degree right Mm -hmm. and so um again not having much experience in theater i thought well this is this will be good and i just read you know it's good to have a theater background even when going into film because you learn some ground pillar work of acting that you know you get in theater that you don't necessarily get in a film uh, acting program so Mm -hmm. it just seemed like the right place for me at the time
0: cool and what was that experience like for you? Going to Trinity. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was, it was great. I, I thought it was really good because I grew up in, um, in, uh, in Germany. My dad was a pastor and, uh, you know, Russian-German-Mennonite churches, environments. <laughs> yeah. You know, we, we, there's a lot of Mennonites at Trinity. Yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah. And what was really helpful to me, I, I found, was, you know, first of all, studying the craft of acting and the craft of theater, studying that there, there was, I, I thought it was a great program great professors but also uh, par- partially what i found beneficial to me was my bubble was expanded as in i th- i saw christians who had different po- worlds of view than me and different um views of religion and of christianity than me i, th- I thought oh oh okay i just thought we all believed the same thing of course as <laughs> growing up at that time you know and um yeah exactly and you know um, th- that that really helped expand my worldview and also help me, um, you know, relate to people that I thought, you know, held views that were bad, you know, before like, Oh, that's a bad point of view. And, you know, don't talk to that person too much. Now, now, of course, I don't, don't think that, but back, back then I, I, it was really beneficial to have a lot of different points of view in the same place.
0: Yeah, I definitely relate to that. That was, that was very true of my experience as well. I definitely came in a lot more, narrow-minded and through the experience of Trinity learned a lot grew my experience with other types of Christians from various denominations and backgrounds so it was hugely influential in my own spiritual
1: growth awesome
0: but I wasn't brave enough to get involved in 1107 and do the theater until kind of my last year I I dipped my toe in but you were you were pretty involved in it I think from the beginning is that right
1: yeah yeah I was Five years of improv, that's where I learned improv, that's where I started it, yeah.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome.
1: <laughs> it was um, every every second week, we have 1107, and it was actually really great, because I, I remember going back to Trinity, and sometimes doing alumni shows, and just remembering the great feeling of improv, uh, of 1107 there, that you don't necessarily get in many other places, it is, you know, all the students studying there all the time, you know, stressed out by tests, stressed out by studies. And then every second week, you get this really great community feeling of everybody coming together. And um, a lot of people knowing each other. And it just felt it, it felt really connected when doing improv at 1107. Felt really connected. That, yeah. um, you know, a lot of times doing improv in front of other audiences, the audiences don't know you, you don't, you don't know the audience, right? Right. And so it's this feeling of well, I'm gonna I'm gonna entertain you. There's great laughter in the room, but then you don't you. you it, it doesn't have that same tight knit community feeling that a lot of us have.
0: Yeah, I guess so. Because regular improv would just be strangers, but with the Trinity community, you would at least know. You could you could rely on some of the same jokes that you know we're going to land. Exactly. And then after you graduated, uh, what what did your journey look like next?
1: Well, that, that's that was a long journey. Well, uh, for the first. Three, three or four years when I'm, you know, leaving Trinity, I focused on my, on my theater and also my, film. Uh, no, well, mostly theater and then also my comedy career. I, I dabbled in film, did a little bit of film commercials here or there, and yeah, pursued theater. I, I started, you know, auditioning a lot, going to yeah. like general auditions, you know, seeing any calls for for plays that I thought would I would be good for. I go out and audition for them. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit difficult because Vancouver itself is a cliquey environment. You know, that's, that's the cliche. That's what everybody says, right? (laughs) You're aware of that. Uh, But in the theater community, it's even, it's the very same, you know, each theater has their circle or their group of actors that they you know, we keep coming back to that well, because this, these people are trusted, they're good. And so it's it's hard. You have to try and break into these circles into different environments. Luckily, um, Ron Reed, who is the artistic director of Pacific Theater, mm-hmm. luckily he had a connection to Trinity, where there were these showcase plays where they had... Mm-hmm. Young actors who were studying at Trinity got an opportunity to audition for plays at Pacific Theater, and so I I had an in there. That was my first, I guess, circle that I that I found my way into, and it was it, and it's really been, you know, my theater family. I've come back and done plays there almost every year, I think, and oh man, I just love that theater. I love the people there so much. Yeah, very cool, great environment. Yeah, uh, have you ever tried acting?
0: Uh, A bit. Yeah, I did some background acting, but you can't really call that acting. Uh, (laughs) I was like featured on The Flash, like as a bartender in the background. Nice. Um, (laughs) But mostly it was just improv in high school. And then, uh, you know, a little bit through youth group, and I was like a youth group leader. But
1: Mm -hmm.
0: yeah, it's one of those things that I've always loved and really admired is like, Getting in there and putting on somebody else's skin and trying to like get into their character motivation. I think it's a great way to build empathy too to people whose experiences are different than yours.
1: Oh man, absolutely. Are you kidding yeah. me? <laughs> you play bad characters or you play people other um, people who deem as bad. And then yeah. you have to try and find why is this happening? What is their background? What has brought them to these actions? It's, it really helps you look outside the box of just how do I feel towards this person too? Mm. Why is this person like this and what has brought them to the area? (laughs)
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What was one of the more um, challenging characters or roles that you ever had to do?
1: I I I find them all challenging, but I guess in, in this character isn't, you know, outwardly in terms of values challenging, but Uh, there was a play called the foreigner where I had to play this British man who, you know, his life is crumbling to pieces. He's um, his wife has cheated on him, uh, something like 23 times or something like that. And so his friend takes him to this uh, small getaway, this small, um, you know, resort, resort, resort cabin. And tells everybody there, you know, leave him alone. This guy's, a, he, you know, he, he actually can't speak English. He's a foreigner, you know, so don't bother him. And so this character, he, for the first half of the play, I don't even speak, but I'm in, I'm in all these scenes with people. And so, and mm-hmm. that's not true. I do speak, um, but not even English, you know, made up language that he makes up. That was actually really difficult. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with the director, Evan, I created a certain character. I had a certain characteristics. And then two or three days before opening nights, Evan came to me and said, you know what? I don't think this character works. <laughs> so oh. we got to change it completely. And he said, you know, I know, I know you're going to be unhappy about this, but <laughs> it's not working. So we need to change it completely. And thank goodness he did that.
0: Hmm.
1: Because then it, it, it really drove stuff. It, it really brought things together. Because he said, and this is something I learned about acting too. Rather than trying to create a character first and all that kind of stuff, he said, "You know, you need to play it more as you." Hmm. And I had I had this whole voice and this whole thing that I was doing, you know, that this this <laughs> weird voice that I had going on, and sure. we threw it all away, threw all the you know kind of physicality away, and just created it new three days before opening night. So I think wow. I'd say that was one of the more challenging ones at the time. Yeah,
0: it's a bit of a gamble too because you're not used to that. Like you haven't been practicing it that way all this time, and three nights before opening. That must've been pretty intimidating.
1: It was, it was intimidating, but you know, that's a. am going to come back to improv. (laughs) That's the great thing about improv, which has helped me so many times is, you know, just saying, okay, well now what's happening now. Sure. You know, and just trying to be present and just reacting and it's a sort of react uh, trusting of yourself and the actors around you. Yeah. And that's helped me endless times in, in rehearsals and when it comes to Nervousness as well, just being, well, there's nothing I can do, but just be present and react.
0: Hmm. Do you feel like that's helped you in, in, in life as well? Like in through? Abs-
1: absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I do. I have another job where I teach public speaking, communication and leadership to business people. Oh, very cool. Yeah. And, you know, within that you learn, you you have, you know, how to script yourself, how to script your thoughts, how to you know, communicate effectively with various audiences. And you know, the combination of that and improv has been endlessly helpful, Helpful, mm. where I feel most of the time I can just go in front of a group. I might feel a bit nervous, like everybody else does, um, but just go in front of most groups and be able to talk to them in a you know, well-formulated manner and just trusting myself and trusting what I think about things rather than worrying about what will the audience think about me. You know, mm-hmm. you start worrying about the audience more than about yourself. You know, wh- where are they at? What are they thinking? And sure. so you're you're kind of moving outside yourself and trying to be present with the people in front of you.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah. Uh, and what, what, what have you found the most difficult thing when you like you do do improv or, or in front of audiences? What do, what do you find the most difficult there?
0: Oh, man, I think the most difficult thing that I've found is just the fear of like, am I funny? Like if I do this thing that comes to my mind, (laughs) it seems funny to me in the moment, but like, what if it invariably offends somebody or like, you know, there's crickets after I do it. And so that like resistance, that probably self-conscious, like um, Mm. maybe insecurity from, uh, from something in childhood of like, Oh, maybe, maybe I wasn't very popular. So I don't want to like ruin it now or something. Right. Um, I think that's probably held me back. But as I've gotten older and more mature, I've been able to break away from that more and just like completely embrace that kind of uh, silly side, I guess. Like uh, there was a commercial that uh, I did uh, for a contest a few years back and it recently resurfaced, but it's, uh, it's me in, in a bathtub full of Doritos And um, this girl comes in and like dumps this bag on me. And I'm like, oh, ah, I was like, these chips are falling down around me. And it's like, it's really funny to watch it now. But I remember at the time I was so self-conscious where I was like, oh man, I'm like shirtless. And I'm like having Doritos and cheesy all around. Like, Like, oh, this is embarrassing. Like no one, I can't do this. But it ended up being like really funny, you know, years later. And so it's one of those things where sometimes you just have to jump in and be vulnerable. And I think that's like... Or that helped me in my life to take risks yeah. and other things too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know what we we're saying—jumping in and being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. That's like that's the biggest thing to do if you want to, you know, get over nervousness and get over. And you know, it's easier said than done. It's sure. easier said than done. But the biggest thing is you watch something like someone like Will Ferrell, mm-hmm. and a lot of the interviews of castmates of SNL just said, you know, his biggest skill was his commitment. He, if something went wrong, he would just lean into it. <laughs> if <laughs> Or characters who just seemed a bit too crazy or outlandish, he, he'd just lean into that even more. Yeah, And yeah, that's what I'm learning. And I have to keep learning that myself too, because as you said, sometimes you get these worries or doubts. Am I funny? Is it, you know, if I haven't done improv for, you know, two months or something, and I come come back to it, and I go, do I still have the funny? Do I still have that thing? Yeah. But it, all it is is just, you need to, you know, very often when it comes to nervousness or those self-doubts, you know, like, am I good? Am I funny? Very often we think of it in terms of, well, I need to, you know, you need to learn how to get over nervousness. You you should think of it in terms of a wall. You need to mm-hmm. you know, build these steps to get over that wall of nervousness. But very often that's not the case. What you have to do is crash through the wall. You just have to run straight at it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and you crash through it. The nurse is still there, but you're taking power of that nervousness, right? Rather than be saying, okay, how can I navigate this and how can I, and you start looking at yourself, you start giving yourself all this attention versus I'm just going to move right past it and focus on somebody, something else or somebody else, which is the audience.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So one of the things I was wondering, yeah, from your perspective, you know, with all that's going on in the world today today. We have like, you know, protests and and COVID and all sorts of stuff on the news. It seems like it's getting more and more bleak every day. You know, Mm -hmm. I remember 2020 started and we were all so excited and, you know, like halfway through and now we're like, oh man, when's this year going to be over? (laughs) So um, in your experience, from your perspective, uh, does comedy have a role in seasons like this? And if so, what, what would that role be?
1: I, I believe a comedy has a huge role in society. And a comedy is, a, I remember when we, actually when we did The Foreigner, somebody wrote in and said, hey, thank you so much for this play. Um, I took my friend whose husband passed two months ago.
0: Hmm.
1: And who was, was still very much in mourning to this play. And uh, she told me afterwards how much she needed that. She needed to be able to laugh, to, be, to go outside of um, herself and what she was going through in order to feel joy in some way again so it's mm-hmm. really important uh, i remember during uh, there's uh, i forget the the name there's a comedy documentary but it's talking about when after 9-11 happened there was a you know there, there's a friar's roast that was happening and gilbert Gottfried was there he's the voice of um in aladdin the parrot what's his name again <laughs> the one who talks like this <laughs> yeah well what is his name it's been too long uh, Anyway, Gilbert Gottfried, he's, mm-hmm. he's the actor, and he started making jokes around 9/11 and first people were shocked, but then people were laughing, and mm. the comedians who were there said, you know, the audience, everybody was laughing. they said it was it wasn't um, jokes where he was putting anybody down, he saying it was so, so, it needed so much to laugh during that time. to lose some the kind attention. of tension? Yeah, yeah, some kind of joy was needed. Mm. And I actually, two years ago, three years ago. I went around and shot a documentary. I went to different countries. and I went to Ireland, Italy, um, Mexico, and, and interviewed comedians to talk about mm. the role and the connection between comedy and culture. And I, I'm, I find it very interesting because usually a joke in itself is set up and yep. the punchline. And mm. the setup is usually there's an expectation. You know, This is where the story is going or there's tension. It's it's really what it is as tension until you get to the point that they're expecting where the story should end. Hmm. They're just waiting for that that moment. But the punchline is a subversion of that, right? Right. I believe in society comedy is that tension and release. Hmm. Comedy is that for society. Usually if somebody's making you know, think of uh, stand-up comedians. Stand-up comedians when you're watching them do one or two things, either they're pointing at something and they're making a joke, joke about it and you're laughing because you agree with it, right? It's like, oh yeah, totally, that's so funny. Mm-hmm. Or they're pointing at something and they show you a completely new way of looking at something. And that mm-hmm. makes you laugh. And that's what, you know, Jerry Seinfeld is re- really well known for that. Sure. He, he just takes everyday small occurrences and looks says, isn't that weird? And you look mm-hmm. at it and he's like, yeah, that, actually that is weird, you're right. And so, uh, I believe, you know, since society, you can see in different cultures, the comedy is different because the society is dealing with something, the comedians are pointing at something and and everybody's saying, yeah, or no, or or they're looking at it from a new perspective in all these different cultures. So, I believe in these times, everything that's happening, you know, from COVID to the BLM movement, uh, to the riots, to anything. I think comedy has an absolute role in that. And that role would be to, first of all, people are going through a lot of difficult times. Maybe they need some joy too Hmm. amongst that. And to also have comedians, that their role isn't just... Just joy, but it also their role isn't. You can't go up to comedians and say, You should be making political jokes. You can't do that, right? <laughs> but a comedian's role should be to point at something and say, Let's look at this from a new perspective. Hmm. Or can we agree on this point? Can we agree that looking at it in this way would make sense? And the combined laughter of people doesn't necessarily mean that they're right, but it means that a group of people agree with that. And you can look at that and say, Okay, well, there's a whole group of people that believe this because they're laughing at something. Hmm. Right? And so, so it says this group of people believes this statement is true. Or this way of looking is at least as interesting to, to them. Sure. Yeah. So so if we go back to, I don't know, the 50s or 40s, comedy was completely different. It was mostly puns and visual gags. Yeah. <laughs> That's it's that that is not. You know the the comedy that is famous right now. So that says something about the culture.
0: So um, when you're doing your comedy or directing or writing, even, um, does your faith play a role or a component in what you do? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it does. I, I remember, it and I was when I was at Trinity, Ron Reed, he wrote an article about theater, mm. and which I really liked. Um, and there were there were many different points in it, but a couple of the points that stood, stood out to me that you know I, I adhere to too is you know, first of all, if you want to show Jesus's, you know, the absolute uh, it's the wrong word, not absolution, the redemption. If you want if you want to show redemption, you also have to show depravity. Hmm. If you want to show light, you have to show darkness. Yeah, because the light comes out of the darkness, and so you know, back in, when I went to Trinity, you know, I was uh, struggling back in the day. You know, like, oh, should I curse when I <laughs> when I act <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or playing different characters that were darker and you know, doing very bad things, and you know, you struggle with that kind of stuff when you come from a Christian background. You know, of course, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to do that kind of stuff, and um, and then that really helped me because you know there are people that are bad people. There are people that are evil people. There are people who are great and we're all, we're all, we all have darkness in us. We all have, you know, light in us. Mm
0: -hmm. And,
1: and so, and, you know, we, we, we live very much in a, what you call it cancel culture right now. Yeah. Which I find very unfortunate because just because somebody has a point of view, um, and you cut and cancel that person or to say, you know, you screw off. I'm never going to talk to you again. Leave my life. Yeah. I find that so unfortunate. So unfortunate. It doesn't matter what, what area you come from. doesn't matter what political leaning you have. Doesn't mean it matter what opinion you have. Isn't your goal to try and make other people be on side of your cause. Isn't the goal to get more people to believe what you're believing. Hmm then shouldn't we try to understand where the person's coming from? Should we try and understand what gave them that point of view and talk to them or take actions towards finding some unity because, Hey, maybe you're wrong. You yeah, know, if you exactly. believe, you know, and so I, I find in my, how my faith plays into my art. It doesn't matter what I do. Comedy, uh, theater, film mm-hmm. is a lot of the times I, I find what, just, just the act of, revealing the reason behind people's actions or exploring people's lives just that that act alone is um an act of faith
0: hmm.
1: is to see to understand so that i so that we can reveal the right right versus um you know it's, it's not just a liberal thing it's not just a conservative thing it's it you know it doesn't matter what side of your It's like, they are stupid. And we like, okay, it's, well, yeah. maybe you stop using that language and try to understand where's that person coming from. So of course all the comedy, like if, if I play a comedic character, it might not be very controversial, but my, I think my role here on earth is to give joy to others and to help people communicate better.
0: Hmm.
1: Those are the two roles I think uh, given to me by God. And very that's, cool. Yeah. And that's that's what I try to do. I, I try to give people joy. And then when I can, I try to build further understanding and communication. And, you know, I've not always been successful in that. I've had my f- mistakes and flaws and failures in that. But uh, I, I continually try to do that.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's really inspiring. I mean, I think that's something we need more in this world. Uh, there's, a, there's enough reasons for us to be divided as it is. And communication is tricky enough as it is, right? So when we learn how to hear each other, when we learn how to understand different perspectives and respect those different perspectives, it's, it's Mm -hmm. a huge thing. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember I was thinking back to what you were saying just now when I was in my fourth year, one of my friends, she had, she was in the directing actors class and her final assignment was to direct someone that wasn't really an actor in a scene. And so she picked me and she had to work with me for a couple of months to do this, uh, basically a monologue. And I had to play this like 45 uh, year old ex-con just out of jail, you know, he's smoking and swearing and he's like um, <laughs> arguing with his mom or something. No, her, his mom died and he's at, at her tombstone and he's like basically arguing with her with her tomb about how it's like her fault for where he is and stuff. And I remember I had to swear and I had to smoke and I had to be this like bad guy. And it was so not me. Like I'm a fairly small guy. Like not, I I pictured this guy being like a huge hulking kind of like ex murderer kind of (laughs) thing. Are you sure you want to, you want me to play this role? And she's like, yeah, absolutely. Like you're the perfect person because it's so different for you and it'll be a challenge for me as as to direct you in this role. And I was like, I just don't want you to fail. <laughs> I don't want you to fail your exam. And she's like, no, no, you can do this. You can do this. So she worked with me for a while and then ended up, I mean, I, I didn't see myself do it, but apparently I was very believable in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, that was like a huge win because it it got me into this perspective that was very different than mine. And I got to communicate what actually was a good message from a very dark character in a dark place. So I definitely relate to what you're saying there.
1: Yeah. You know, very, very, you know, within Christian culture, very often when people look to arts, they look, is it saying the right message? Yeah. You know, and I think, I definitely think that's the, the role of, I don't know, public speakers, people who are, who are, you know, are formulating what they're saying and so on. But I don't believe the the point of art is to say a message. The point of art is to raise questions.
0: Hmm.
1: That's the point of art. And you know, unfortunately, that's happening right now. I, even in in the arts community as well, um, people saying, "Well, this is not saying the right thing," and, and uh, or you know, not putting on plays that say certain things right. or ask certain questions. I'm like, "Well, that's isn't that the point of what we're doing here? Isn't it to encourage conversation to bring that about?" So, you know. The, uh, but of course, there's different points of view of what art is too. That's my definition of it, right? <laughs> sure. <laughs> many, many, many different perspectives of what art should be. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> well, I guess um, probably should wrap up. But um, before we go, is there any final word or you know message of encouragement you might want to give to to um, aspiring actors or uh, directors or writers or any artists in general who might hmm. be um, entering the field and you know not really sure how to how to even make a dent in the industry
1: inspiring words or pieces of advice um i i you know I would, I would say work on your art for sure that, like that's a huge thing where you're probably pa- you know you 're not going into the arts to make money <laughs> if you are you're going to for for the wrong reasons <laughs> yeah <laughs> but you, you're not going to the arts to make money, so you're probably pretty passionate about what you're doing and you 're spending a lot of time in it absolutely you've spent a lot of time but I've seen so many people get lost in just doing that one thing and mm-hmm. their art suffers for it. So you, you will make, you will, well, there's a couple of benefits to this, but do other things, focus on other areas of your life too. Hmm. Your art will become better. You will make more contacts, which will make you get, get you more gigs, which will get you more money. If that's what you're worried about by also focusing on other streams of your life or other streams of your career. I know very few people that just do the one thing and are successful on it, you know, and are living off of it. I don't know many of them, most people. And unfortunately, you know, we realize that a bit too late, you know, and then you, you have not wasted, but you've gone out of three or four years of just, just trying to get a foot in the door versus, um, you know, making contacts all around, focusing on different streams of your life. So that, that that would be the the one piece of advice, a piece of encouragement. I would say is, you know, don't get lost in the don't get lost in the politics of everything. And and I, I don't just mean you know, you know politics of the world right now, that that's also part of it. But you know, the politics of companies, of you know how people operate together. You know, and being on one side, don't get lost in that. Yeah, that's very easy to do. Focus on your art, focus on what you're saying and focus on the people in front of you. Mm. Very good. Yeah. Thanks for having me on this. I appreciate yeah, that.
0: I really appreciate you taking the time to, to chat. Yeah, of course. Hope to uh, hear more from you soon and to see some more some more projects. I'm sure you have a lot of. A lot of oh, good I'm ideas sure. and things on the horizon.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's some, some will pop up every now and then. I can't, I'm pretty restless, right? So something yeah. will happen. <laughs> <laughs> I hope, I hope uh, your writing keeps going well. Oh, thank you. Yeah. All
0: right. Well, take care, man. And uh, yeah, I hope to hear from you again soon.
1: You too, man. All the best.